Konnichiwa. It's Zachlin Glee I'm so popular. Um, last week we discussed Utada Hikaru's Deep River and the exceptional film In the Realm of the Senses. Beautiful episode about desire and managing your life. And we're taking that to a whole a new extreme today as we discuss RuPaul's Drag Race and the film Punishment Park. I'm joined by a lovely guest. Who are you? Hi, my name is Gremlin. How are you? Hey, Gremlin. I'm good. What are you doing? Um, I'm sitting in my basement, getting drunk, talking to one of my sisters. <gasps> hey, sis. Um, hey, sis. Why do you follow me? Um, shit. Uh, I think we got added to that Twink Rev group chat long ago. <gasps> that one. Yes. And it was like right before you started your podcast. Because I followed you on your account before, and then I remember following your podcast account when it was started. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened was that I was in the group chat, but I hadn't made, like, the I'm So Popular Twitter. That was Mm -hmm. season one, which is very much like season one of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, the Vaseline. also has, like... The Vaseline Vaseline. filter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do... I, I fondly remember my, you know, first few months dipping my toes into the water of internet D-list fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I was a lot more, like, wholesome and sweet back you then, and so now I'm very sweet. jaded. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, like, racist and a bitch or something. Well, you know, it's it's the natural progression of things. The baby, <laughs> the baby janification of Zach, you know? Oh, God, that's so true. Every day I really am, like crawling closer and closer to baby jane reality like i'm like inching towards mommy dearest with every passing second i've been really on a joan crawford kick lately i don't know what it is but i'm just feeling like this like intense connection and sadness for her and i've been watching mommy dearest and i don't feel bad for christina i just understand joan i don't feel bad for christina either i don't feel feel bad for that bitch are you kidding me she asked for it and she looks horrible. the The way they cast her in that movie with that like atrocious blonde girl, that atrocious that movie, little troll of a girl. Oh God, little gremlin. Uh, <laughs> that's but right. like, Mommy Dearest is like such a uniquely depressing movie to me. Like, there is nothing. I don't like know. It. People miss a lot of it because they think, oh, it's just like campy fun. No. It's actually like really apocalyptic and disturbing. It is the opposite of fun, which is why it's enjoyable. But it's exactly. not fun. It's like it is her flesh on display, like her mm-hmm. her like rib cage ripped apart for you to see, and not even in like the vicious acts, but in like what lies beneath them. I know there is something like texturally the movie is really disgusting. Yes. It feels oh. so uncomfortable oh my God. to like the, watch. The the way they do like the white of her like foundation and like creams at night it, it like makes oh. my skin crawl. Just like and like the surfaces of her house and like the garden and like the bright lighting even, at all times. Even the way like the, the lighting like reflects off the pool when they have that race. It's just like something about it isn't right. Oh God, I know it's such an unpleasant experience, and like, yes, I I think everyone reads it. Like I said, it's like, oh, it's like can't be fun, but I do find it delightful, and I'm constantly thinking yes. about it all the time. But yes. it's because it's like so abject and nightmarish. Yes, it's like it's it's a hellscape of like two and a half hours or whatever the fuck it is. Have you seen like any of like 
Joan Crawford's like uh, later movies before? No, I've been wanting to watch them lately. I just like have no idea where to find them. The long, the deeper you get into her like end catalog of her career, it also has like the same like too bright, unfortunate texture. Like everything after Very Baby Jane. Interesting. It's so uncomfortable. I I find her to be one of the most like depressing. I know, figures of and that's time. why I love her so much because like despite all her efforts to appear otherwise like she's like the saddest creature oh god i feel just like her i know that's what scares <laughs> me <laughs> i've been wanting to read the book that like mommy dearest is like based off of this as well but i know it's just going to be fucking miserable i've been reading sid luff's book about his time with joan uh-huh and it's like highly contested but like i'm enjoying it personally and it's like when I... she's like in New York and like heavily on pills. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. I think it's great. I just love a celebrity biography and tell-all memoir. I... Memoir. <laughs> memoir, as Chris Jenner says. Of course. I I just love like a like a sad rich bitch on pills. Like the mm-hmm. like the Barbara Huttons of the world. Just like you have it all like like Lucky by Britney Spears. How do you have it all? But why are you crying? You know, Britney Spears is, like, contracted to do a book. Did you know that? No. She can't I mean, write. She's illiterate. She can't so. write? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, it's going to be, like, her, like, sitting with, like, some, like, stodgy, like, woman and, like, her just, like, trembling with a pen, like, trying to compile it. Um, I found her, like, recent Instagram posts and stuff, like, since the wedding to be a little unsettling. I, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, Britney's, like, doing her thing. And I'm like... Brittany is screaming for your help. Like, it's it's worse than when she was in the conservatorship, it seems. Yes. Like, the only difference now is, like, it's all just... It was just hidden now, and now it's on display. I know, and it's literally on display. The graphic photography of her bare tits... Oh my god, and it's like, like... And they're taken in such, like, abject, like... Something about it is, like, medical... That's so true. It like, feels like an exam of it some feels, sort. It feels like this is a picture she's like sending to her doctor being like, do you see this bruise under my rib? Like, can you tell me what this is? Like something about it, like just she, like I shouldn't I feel like she's see. like made out of mud and she's like going to start like sliding apart. I love Britney Spears and I, you know, she's obviously. She's the one, obviously. It's fucking Britney Spears. Of and I, I support her on her little Instagram mess. Yeah, I, but I, I wanted her I to be it, free, but like... But it's depressing me. Free to do what? Free to be yeah. what? This is the existential question of all reality. It's like, oh, you've accomplished freedom, and look how what do you, horrible Look it what is. you've done with it. Life and bondage is more desirable than one of unlimited choice. Sometimes it is. Her, what do you think about her husband? I think he's hot. I've always thought he's hot, but like I like Middle Eastern guys because they're like Hispanic. So yeah, my David pointed this out to me once, and he said, "Well, I don't think he's hot because I can tell he shaves his arms." <sighs> so true. And I'm like, ah, I kind of get it. I but... get that. Still hot to me, but he definitely shaves his arms. Now that I think about it. I, I would like to have sex with him because I feel like it would be one of those sexual interactions where. It's like a two-minute penetration episode, and then it ends on a very placid and, you know, not disgusted. I feel like it would be quite innocent. Yes, I think I think neither of us would be quite satisfied, but we also wouldn't be dissatisfied. 
That's exactly it. I and, would be satisfied if I was dissatisfied. Right. And it, it would be fine enough to like, I would be able to be like, yeah, you can lay there next to me for a bit. It's fine. Oh, oh, I know. That sounds lovely. It's kind of sweet. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I would love to have like, um, that kind of like sexual interaction that like, doesn't like make me feel that like my brain matter is like being whipped up into a tornado and my entire existence is like being, set into some like male interaction i would just love if i was like oh he like came before i did and then i didn't finish and now we're just like lying in bed is like you look so tired actually i do have that with my boyfriend so i'm very lucky i'm I'm sure you do lucky you yeah Um, I forgot to, you know, introduce you a little more, but I am obsessed with, um, your posting. You are a wonderful, um, purveyor of the selfie arts and always have been, um, the, the progenitor and creator of the homosexual floor sitting culture. Correct. And, uh, every time you've appeared in any of the podcasting worlds on Thought Topics and Perfume Nationalist, I, I've, uh, I've loved your appearances. I'm glad we're finally getting you on today. Thank it's you. Been a lo- far too long. Far too long. And I think we have the perfect topic for it. Oh, God. This is seriously one of the most important things I've ever talked about on the show. I'm it, not kidding. The figure of RuPaul looms heavily over I'm So Popular. It is such an important, like, chunk of my life. And it is very difficult to talk about artistically and to create the context and understanding it deserves because it is a reality tv show that has um decayed uh it's half-life expired and it's like well decayed at this point and i think people who are unexposed and not tuned into the entire journey from season one onward just cannot put it together but this is like seriously one of the most important pieces of culture of the last 15 years without a doubt yes the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race has become what it is after like seasons one through six happened is truly phenomenal. Like, I don't know how, yeah. how they manage that. Me neither, but we're going to figure it out together. Someone um, has to. RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, produced by RuPaul himself, started in 2009. Uh, RuPaul was like kind of at a bypass in his career. He had, not a bypass, that's like what you do when you're like getting like your like gest- <laughs> your insides worked on. <laughs> I meant to say impasse. Excuse me. RuPaul had a gastric- probably also a bypass. RuPaul had a gastric bypass, and he had to pay for it by making RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, period. <laughs> um, but people were like tuned out of him in the culture. He he had his moment in the '90s with like Supermodel and uh, his talk show. He was kind of like an interesting countercultural figure that would like show up on like Oprah style shows. Mm-hmm. And after um kind of the conclusion of the you know second major leg of his career there, uh, he was approached by his managers who happened to be the creative directors of World of Wonder Productions. Wow. <laughs> And uh, they came up with this show together. But Gremlin, tell me about your experience with discovering and getting into this monstrosity. Um, I got into it pretty early, I would say. I, the first season I ever watched was season three. I was still in middle school, and it was like, before I had officially come out, so watching it felt like something a little bit wrong. 
mm-hmm. and like I watched like one or two episodes alone and then I would watch it with my mom who would like give in to my faggy tendencies so her and I would watch Drag Race together and that was like a very formative experience for me I remember oh I th- my god your mom submitting to the gay will and watching Drag Race that's amazing she loved and I remember I saw Raja and I was like wow she's <laughs> she's so cool uh-huh and then that was like the first episode and then like she won and i was like wow she's still really cool <laughs> and then i just kept watching it because i just liked it like it's just it was just fun mm-hmm. it was like pure joy for me like it, it was when like they were still mean to each other and the challenges were like fucking stupid and like the clothes like were like that they made were cheap but like it looked fun like it was just fun it was just fun mm-hmm. to watch and to enjoy and to be like wow look at this like crazy stupid gay shit i can't believe this is like actually a thing i get to watch how cool absolutely um for me i started off detesting the idea and concept of drag race it was when i was very interested in feminism as a <laughs> high school student um at the time, I was, like, canceling Lady Gaga for wearing a burqa. I was, like, extremely, like... I was always, like, interested in, like, stuff, like, irreversible and everything. But I was also very, like, woke and, like, socially conscious. And so I was, like, I think that drag seems misogynistic. Of and course. The whole the whole reason I hated it was because at my high school GSA... um. The president at the time, his name was Luke. He was one of three out gay kids in my high school. And he was Miss Queen. He was Miss Diva. He had, oh, honey. Yeah, honey boots. Yeah, he had the faux hawk. He wore like a pink, like a pink check shirt every day and skinny jeans. Um, He had just the most intense accent, the facts that you've ever heard in your life. And he was talking about season four as it was airing. And he would talk about it in GSA. And I thought it was just horrible as he was talking about Sharon Needles. And (laughs) I was disgusted by, like Mommy Dearest, like the texture and aesthetic Mm -hmm. quality of like this low budget camera and these like cracked up, like frightening, like Like, cross dressers. Like drunk men yelling at each other. And I think the reason it, you know, horrified me so is because I was still kind of, like, figuring out my gay pride, as it were. Yes. And what Drag Race did was it's the abject mirror. You look into it and you see frightening funhouse reflections of yourself. Correct. You look into it and you're like, wait, I unfortunately, too, have a piece of Sharon Needles inside of me. That's right. We're all sharing those needles. We're all sharing those needles, truly. Like, it took me, like, reading, like, Andrew Holleran, Larry Kramer, doing my gay literary self-education, and then I was able to come around to it. And the reason why is there was a band called Power Bottom. Are you familiar I with I remember them? this. Yes. I am yes. familiar. So, before they were canceled for rape accusations, mm-hmm. I... um met them because I was interviewing them for my university's feminist magazine. And uh, I sat in the back of a car. They gave me a beer. I was like 20 years old. It was a very formative, touching experience for me. Right. And uh, they told me the joys of Drag Race. And I immediately got into it and went through it and became fascinated from there. So it took me a little while. 
Yeah, no. So what, which, what season did you have like season one to be able to start with? Or did you start from like two on? I started from four. Oh, okay. Okay. And then as soon as I finished four, I went to one and I watched everything. And since then I've seen every season, probably at least five or six times, to be honest. Yeah. I've seen them all a lot. Yeah. Because I have to like make this clear. Like this is such a part of like my daily rhythm. Like drag race has this penetrative quality where once you've been latched in, in like the correct way, you will never be unshackled from it. No, I simply, I don't, I don't try to check up on drag race. It simply comes into my orbit in a way that it's out of my control. Yes. It is a celestial object that has like completely altered the entire gravity of the homosexual psyche universe. And it's so pervasive and so strong that I literally feel like this has created like gargantuan, tsunami waves across like the minds of gay culture and like young people in america it's like crazy no there is literally like i think gay people like maybe like four or five years younger than us like their identity cannot be separated from something that was created by drag race no no it's exactly right and they don't even know no exactly they're not even aware of it. what's going on they might have never watched the day of drag race in their life they might never watch it they might actively hate it but their mm-hmm. existence was like fully fostered by rupaul charles seriously rupaul andre charles like and his like incredible artistic all-seeing eye yes like literally like reformed all of these people's brains without them even knowing and I don't know about you, but I personally just have, like, ephemera of drag race, like, rattling around in my head at all times of the day. If I, like, had a dollar for every time some random bit of drag race, like, lore or phrasing floated through my head, I'd be a fucking millionaire. Oh, it's insane. And it's insane. I can't go a day without, like, something, like, dislodging from my interior and just, like, attacking yes, me. correct. I can't be, like, I'm, like, sitting at my desk at work and I'm, like... Okay, but why did Kennedy Davenport wear that chicken suit and say she had crystallized? Like, yeah, exactly. What possessed her? Or I'm like, and I, no, what was Magnolia Crawford doing with that nose contour? It's like all of a sudden, like these images, like just come. What? Not Magnolia I, Crawford. Not Magnolia Crawford. <laughs> and <laughs> now I just heard RuPaul saying her name. Yes, Magnolia Crawford. Magnolia Crawford. This yes. is fucked up. See, you see what like, I'm saying? I don't. I haven't even watched that season, and I don't even know how long. <laughs> <I> know, like, <laughs> this stuff is—it's evil like, in a great way. Like, <laughs> or what is it for Kennedy? Um, uh, uh, LaGuardia, Kennedy, fucking, she's New like New York, New York, Davenport. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like this stuff is tendrils into your brain and yes, i'm i'm I'll really fascinated as to like you never forget it it's like i, I want to that, that meme where it's like oh, okay grandma let's get you to bed and i'm like <laughs> you have one chance to save yourselves impress me and lip sync for your life and like, yeah okay. it's like for me as i like is i'm being like wheeled out to the garden i'm all of a sudden whatever happened to marl ginsburg <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to, like, come to an understanding about, like, why these tendrils are so severe. And um, when I was talking to Samantha about it, who was on my Mulholland Drive episode, mm-hmm. she said that she got, like, 
like sissy hypnosis by drag race because yes she encountered it at like age like 11 or like an elementary school or something Mm -hmm. and she started immediately emulating these people (laughs) and she said that like she totally ended up like being trans like partially because of like drag race and stuff yes i like fagged out more because of drag race absolutely are you kidding i like literally also had my identity shaped by this because when i came across it and i saw like this like nasty like alternative like dark fully formed expression of the homosexual identity i was like oh my god i want to do that too yeah exactly that's the thing it's like i want to do that too she looks like she gets drunk Uh uh-huh like i want to do that me too i i just felt like so much it's like there's you know, a lot of, like, fear in the obnoxious conservative circles about, like, grooming oh and, God. like, culture, like, turning people gay. And my thought well, is that only your parents can turn you gay. But Drag Race is going to give you the tools to become culturally gay. Only your parents can turn you gay, but only Drag Race can turn you into one of the girls. <gasps> Boots, honey. That is what I'm talking about. And that's on wig. That God, that is on my heel. Like, like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the fucking runway. It's, it's on the like, twirl, sis. Sis, like, <laughs> <laughs> once, once you, even if you, like, don't watch it, even if you're not clicked in, you, if you're familiar with the references, then that's how you can become yes. a sister. Yes, exactly. You don't even have to, like, like it. But once I, like, say something and I see that, like, glint of recognition, I'm like, oh, girly, sissy boots. I know. Okay, we had to talk about what what this is. Like, we have to, like, go and, like, do, like, a whole, like, Kantian analysis of this. The premise of Drag Race is um, it was originally conceived as a sort of parody of America's Next Top Model. Right. So... The idea is that it's a reality show um, that's quite torturous to its contestants, um, lightly ridiculing of them, and puts people through the ringer of humiliating challenges for a evil, grinning audience's amusement. Uh, every season, it's um, now it's like 75 girls, but it used to be 9, then it was like 12, then it was 14, however many um, they must go through weekly challenges to impress RuPaul. Uh, they have to do a runway every week. And uh, the worst performers are put up for a lip sync for their life, sending one home every week until we have America's next drag superstar. And this format has basically remained the same throughout. Um, but there's a specific quality to the first six seasons that make them a little more artistically compelling and important absolutely Um, yeah so what do you what do you kind of think about like the general like structure of the show like what is it doing what do you think i think i don't know i think in the first few seasons i think it was definitely going more for like an active like spoof of what reality tv was at the time Mm -hmm. and then i think around season I think it was season four where they did that the first like election special of Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when they started to realize like the potential influence it could hold, not even within culture at large, but within like the small gay subset that they already had captive. Yeah, and yeah. I think from there kind of it started to like realize its, its own hype and just 
somehow managed to multiply it as it kept going, which is baffling. I think that's exactly right. Because the show is already extremely postmodern from its inception as like a spoof of, uh, you know, reality TV, it has a habit of um, doing the Ouroboros, like snake consuming its tail over and over again. Um, There are so many cycles in this show's production where you can see it cannibalizing itself um, and like spitting and vomiting its own, you know, fetal form back out as like some new repulsive creature but those first three seasons like you mentioned before they start eating their own tail you can totally see um a really special presentation unlike anything else because it's still cruel it's still a spoof it's still very reactionary and most importantly it features people who have absolutely no self-awareness whatsoever they have they have like no concept of like what it means that their behavior is televised or what it, yes. not even that it's televised, but that it's filmed in a way that it can be televised. And it's not what you said. It, there's editing mm-hmm. here. Like they're just thinking that like everyone here is girlies. Like they're just going to show what's going on, but like, there's so much more at play here. And they were just like, they were just being real people. Right. Because I think before Drag Race, um, drag was, like, on really the periphery of culture. I yeah, mean, I mean, Tu Wong Fu and, like, The Birdcage, but, like, that's really it. No one had any common experience with it for the most part, except, no. like, uh, the occasional, like, you know, drag show that, like, you'd go to once in a while. But I think drag queens are, like, pretty, like, bemoaned and, like, loathed. And, yes, uh the culture was a lot closer to like transgender women at the time. And I think that nobody was really prepared for like what it was going to do to the actual, like, you know, shape of drag. But these like people are so clueless and like, so frightening and like disgusting in a lot of ways. Raw. Like, Uh like all their like hard rough edges on display for you to see. Truly. And I mean that like both like, in terms of personality and also, like, and like, literally. Literally, physically. Yeah, because, like you mentioned, they were wearing, like, a lot of ready-to-wear stuff on the runway. Like, Kmart. Off the Kohl's. Kmart. Ross. Yeah. And their makeup is so... Oh, my God. Wild. It's wild. It's wild. Even somehow, like, the palest girls managed to look ashy. Uh-huh. How did they do that? I don't know. Like, it's both, like, cakey and also, like, not present at all. Yes. It's, like, like a thin little lip gloss mm-hmm. and, like, nothing on the eyebrow and then just, like, looking like they just got out of a house fire. Yes, like a too red blush. Uh-huh. Uh. And the whole thing is, like, this uncanny, like, real depiction of human existence. Like, I yes. can't understate this. Like, these first six seasons show people as they really are in a very disturbing and like avant-garde way yes like they like it's like like i said like everything is on display like they have they have no instinct to be like maybe i should hold back a little bit like they're just vicious they do not hold back with anything no and that was kind of the magic of like early era reality tv was that Nobody with, like, the omnipresence of the internet, like, I don't think people knew exactly how long things could last or, you know, how um, infinite, like, once something is when it gets logged on. Well, and 
I think even when, even like before the internet, when it was just things would be broadcast on TV, that was a much less intimidating idea than the mm -hmm. internet. Like something can be on TV and people really not realize it. Like unless mm -hmm. you're like flipping through the channels or you're on like a really highly broadcast thing, like you just and got this is a lost. fucking logo. Like right, this, some like, fucking logo. TV channel that no one's heard of. That no one's heard of. And like back then, like you had to have like a special plan to have the channel. Like nobody yeah. fucking had it. If you didn't, if there was no internet, you wouldn't even, you'd be like, nobody's going to fucking see. I'm not going to tell my family. They don't have logo. They're never going to see it. Exactly. But the internet like really shifts that massively because nothing stays within it's like it's contained zone anymore yeah and i feel like around the time the show started in 2009 like the internet hadn't manifested to its full power yet like it wasn't like the um like foucault like permanent observation mode that we're like stuck in now yes so when people are being taped on camera and are like being horrible to one another and humiliating themselves and putting themselves through these rituals of just the most degrade, like, just embarrassing activities that you can imagine. They have, like, no self-awareness about it, and thus you get glistening humanity at its finest. Yes, just, like, the triumph of the human will on display. Yes, and it's, like, it is, like, kind of beautiful and horrifying when you're, like, watching, like, season two and stuff, and, like, they're, like, constantly erupting into scream crying. Oh, my talking God. Talking about their HIV, like... Um, the confessional quality of the first three seasons is not put upon like at all and feels no. truly twisted and evil. It's like, it's, it feels like really cruel, the things that these girls are pulling out and like yeah. the weird, like racial tension between Morgan McMichaels and what's her face. <gasps> um, oh my God. I'm like blanking uh, oh on him, no. but you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. I just watched that clip like a few yes, days ago. Yes, it's like, I have like the clip of like Morgan with like those disgusting puffy sleeves and that like uh -huh. ponytail stuck in my head. Mystique. Mystique, yes, exactly. But like the racial tension between them that season was like kind of alarming at the time. Yeah, I mean, you're watching like this like enormous like fat black drag queen like like tussle with like a little like, like literal white twink, like Uh-huh weird bitch i am from chicago and like now everyone's like like oh like boots it's like wow that's so iconic no, like, that and was like, dangerous morgan it's, could it's have kind died of like can you imagine like seeing like a black person and a white person fight on tv like that now no it would never be allowed to no. they wouldn't air it they would never air it or they would no, they no. would air it and it would be like the end of society yeah morgan mcmichaels would be like Yes, like, Morgan, like, like, Morgan McMichael is like literally like hung upside down like Mussolini. Exactly, and that kind of raw edge is like really what makes like these initial seasons so fascinating. And then what also gives another glistening, you know, frosting of humanity on top of it is the drag of it, because yes. not only are these people like being depicted with the harsh glare of truth. But they're also being depicted performing. And the thing about drag that I've always found compelling is, like, the the gap between what's actually happening and the fantasy of what you want to be happening. Because it's, especially back then, drag wasn't so refined. Like, the delusion and fantasy that you had of, you know, really, like, serving, working it, twirling, like, looking fish, being a woman embodying glamour it was so distant from like what was actually happening and you see like this 
absolutely like pulverizing distance between the two concepts. But it's so endearing the way that they were like so convinced that they were the girl. Yes. You could not tell Morgan McMichaels that she was not the one. No. And I mean, that's what makes it all the better. It's like when you are like kind of like shit and your like makeup like looks insane and you're wearing like ugly Kmart dresses and you are convinced that you own the world. Like that's actually what drag is about. Exactly. That's the spirit of it. And like, and the first two seasons too, they would always have like one episode where they make them do something in like the daylight. Cruel. God, when they make them go to like antique shopping in the thrift store or uh-huh. like put them in a fucking backlot garage. Uh, my favorite out of all of these is when they put um, on season five, like Coco Montrese and like Jinx Monsoon on a tour bus of LA and start driving them around. And it's like too bright and they're like little wigs are like flopping around. <laughs> <laughs> That's so charming. It is charming. It's beautiful. It um, is. I, I love season two. It might be my all-time favorite season of the show. Really? I was never because crazy I about love, season two. I love Tyra Sanchez. I do like Tyra Sanchez. Tyra Sanchez is the most unhinged. Also, like the unfolding epic saga of Tyra Sanchez over the years is something yes. so interesting. Well, because, like... It, no one used to do drag because, like, gay people hated it. Straight right. people hated it. No one liked drag for a very long time. Like, in order to, like, do drag, you had to, like, reconcile with the fact that absolutely nobody liked what you nobody were doing. Nobody likes you. Nobody all. wants to fuck you. And you're, losing, uh-huh. and you're losing money as you do it. Exactly. And that's kind of, like, changed a little bit now. But, like, back then, it really attracted people who are, like, at the fringe of, like, freaky society. Tammy Brown. Oh my god. Tammy Brown walking children in nature. Excuse your language. Excuse your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I use that all the time. That's another one of the drag race blossoms <laughs> that comes back to me. Excuse the, your mouth? The only person to have ever gagged RuPaul was Tammy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> she just looks her dead in the eye and says, Excuse your mouth? <laughs> Poor, that's so fucking crazy. These people are, like, so flummoxing. They're, like, meth addicts. They have endless DUIs. They are... They have children. They've all been... Yeah, Tyra Sanchez has a child. Yes. Tyra Sanchez got pussy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Tyra Sanchez, like, slayed a little puss and, like, made a baby. I can't imagine. No, I can't either. It's, like... Actually... Well, well, he did do an OnlyFans or something. Did he? I yeah, because he, like, quit drag. Well, I have not heard of Tyra Sanchez um, since, like, when everyone thought Tyra Sanchez was going to bomb DragCon. Do you remember this? Right, because, yes, because these people are also mentally unwell. And then when they're, like, suddenly, like, launched into a bizarre spotlight of fame, what ends up happening is that they become, like, mentally unwell, like, on the public stage and are yes. suddenly, like threatening to bomb DragCon. Yes, having a website countdown with, like, a bomb background to the date of Drag Race. And then when uh, people ask you... When people ask you, be like, no, I don't have any plans. Like, huh? Did you see the the illustration she made of, like, RuPaul in the Rachel Tension's Confederate flag dress with <laughs> no. a... Like, like, the puppet thing as she's, like, 
holding a bunch of white creams like around and like there's like lynchings in the background and the drag con like stadium on fire oh my god she like drew this that's like kind of good it sounds like yeah yeah it's like postmodern art yeah yeah, yeah. like i want to see that I know, I think I was like thinking I might use it for like the promo in some way. <laughs> I do like But that. like these people are all so messy. Um and it's so watching them fight, this is a big component of the show, yes. is the fascination and riveting drama of watching these real people go at it with each other. Yes. And I feel like it, it does make sense for a show about gay men to have like the best display of that. Because a fight between two gay men is like, it might not be like more aggressive than anybody else's, but it is more biting. It is more biting and it is more depressing. Like Yes. Um, why are these two queens fighting? Little Latin boy and drag, yeah. why are you crying? Why are you crying, little Latinxer? Like, what's going <laughs> on? Like, <laughs> I I think about like, you know, boys in the band and stuff. Like when yes. the, the, whole, the whole idea of that is this... Um, almost like celestial portraiture of like you know pithy gay men bickering with one another and there's something extraordinarily melancholic and tragic and dark and apocalyptic about the way these people communicate but it's um covered in the beautiful velveteen gauze of gay wit when like they're just you know ripping into each other and like that's the true essence of camp and seeing it happen every like episode of this show in long form unfolding soap opera narratives it's like truly compelling human art yes and they i the i think what's most compelling about it is that especially in the early seasons they're not actively doing this they're not putting on a show they're Mm -hmm. simply there is a show being put on it just happens to happen because we're seeing it there's not like an Mm -hmm. active theater being like produced here yeah i think about everyone hating tatiana like for what uh, reason i never understood it's because she's beautiful and she and and it's because like me her kind of drag isn't like you know looking like a clown it's like trying to look like a tranny yes yes tatiana really was like brick house like yeah i'm on the corner what do you want Wearing like a dress with like no padding or anything, chicken just, like, bucket, up chicken and down. bucket dress, baby, arms, breasts, and <laughs> yeah. legs. Exactly, and like I love that kind of drag because, yeah. as I was saying, with like the the gorgeousness of the Gap, like I love when people aren't trying to look like some you know circus performer. It's so compelling to me how everyone looks like they just got dressed at their like local department store like they have like just a stitch of makeup on like it's so i don't know i love the mess of it it's the look the look is literally like it's not like elevated it's just like i want to look like a girl going to the club exactly and And that's like fun it's fun to do like the art thing as well and like of course like i you know do it as well but i mean god I just, it's just being a girl sometimes like, a bitch just wants to go to the club and shake some ass okay so true and that's exactly what Tati wanted they do and they all wanted to crucify her for it for what for wanting to be young and have fun I don't blame her at all and they all hate um they all hate Tyra Sanchez in season two as well yes that's miss bitch to you that's a miss bitch to you and they 
uh, one of my favorite things that they do is on the main stage when they're giving their critiques, they ask everyone, you know, what's going on with, like, this Tyra thing, and then everybody spends about 15 minutes um, berating her on the runway as yes. a single mascara tear cascades down her face. Beautiful. Also, oh. wasn't that the episode that they were wearing? Was that the wedding episode? Wedding dresses. They're of all in course. wedding dresses. So Tyra's in this, like, gorgeous dress, like, veiled house down, and just, like, this, like, beautiful tear track. Poetic, really. Oh. It's gorgeous, like, and that is real. Like, it's, it's so real. She didn't try to do that. She was sitting no. there. She's like, "These bitches hate me." Mm-hmm. And God. she felt you know, some beautiful emotion about that. Um, I, I think that these early seasons kind of climax um, with four. Like, this is a, a major yes. turning point in the series because uh, the winner of the season, Sharon Needles, is like a kind of like punk alternative like scary take on drag that kind of um changes the direction of the show the queens are a lot more like elevated they're casting people um and the fights are are bigger um the everything is just like a little like bigger in scale well they also this is when they start like casting for fights because immediately following share needles is the season with Alyssa edwards and coco montrese who uh-huh. had like beef because of like the pageant world or whatever. So they're like actively trying to like bring in outside drama to then outsize it with the show. Yeah. And of course the show always has capitalized on drama because oh, of that's course. like the It's a know, reality show at the end of the day. TV. Yeah. Right. But they became much more cognizant of the storytelling and like the overall like crafted narrative from season 4 onward, I think. Absolutely. That's definitely the turning point where it like again becomes aware of itself and starts to like and i think drag race starting as this like postmodern spoof project gives it the liberty to get away with these things yeah drag race doing something that like references itself 10 times it's like well you know it's fucking drag race like it makes sense which allows Mm -hmm. it to then like capitalize upon that and get this like weird massive multiplication effect it's had yeah, no, for real. And I think that there's equally, like, a powerful thing in, like, the sort of naturalistic drama of the first three seasons, and then the overproduced, like, penned-out, Marcu-Desaad quality of, like, these next few seasons. Because where this kind of becomes especially sadistic is, in, like, RuPaul's torture of these people, is that the editors are just doing whatever the fuck they want to create this absolutely manic like product of oh my god they're like they're like piecing it you're like watching you're like why have i seen the same laughing clip seven times in this episode because it's like they're they're crafting these narratives out of fully thin air Mm -hmm. and it's before like reality shows were starting to do it at the time but i think it was kind of rare enough at the time that nobody had a trained eye for it uh-huh. So it kind of like slipped under the radar and like it felt odd, but it wasn't like enough to pick up on it. So it was just like, damn, this shit is weird. Yeah. And going back and seeing those seasons and like the way that they just constantly are like, like you said, splicing in these clips over and over again, adding laugh tracks and like sipping sounds and like actively humiliating and like ostracizing the people competing on it. It like becomes like 
it's like Juliet. It's like literally like Marquis de Sade Juliet. Like it's a, this a thousand page tome of torture, and it's so sick and twisted. Well, and like especially like in the I think like following probably season four, the first episode historically is like the most humiliating challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well we have every girl here. You're gonna come in. You're gonna go into this dunk tank. And we're going to take a picture of you trying to, like, keep your clothes and wigs together. Have fun. Yep. Uh, there's one where they spin them around on a platform. And, and throw, throw paint, paint on them. them. That's season four. I yeah. think Willem. I remember that one. Yeah. And then um, season two, they, they have, like, a huge fan going as they're trying to look elegant in a Gone with the Wind pose. Uh, yes. One of the later seasons, they have them, like, jumping off of, like, this weird ledge and, like, throwing, season fake, six. throwing fake snow at them. Yeah, it's and it's just shocking. I mean, and that is also like one of like the transcendental moments. Like I think about that Gone with the Wind photo shoot, and it's like oh. these crossdressers like desperately fighting to appear glamorous, as like the world is trying to crush them. It's a perfect like like evocation of Gone with the Wind, and like the fierce turmoil, like tumultuous fight to like become beautiful and glamorous and live your life successfully. Like, I will never go hungry again as, like, these fans are blowing on you and, like, RuPaul is taunting you from off screen. Oh, my God. It's, like, beautiful that they know, like, okay, so the sacrificial act I have to commit to, like, attempt to get a piece of RuPaul's spirit is I have to humiliate myself before the public. And they, like, and the accept humiliation it. just gets... It just gets worse and worse. Until, That's the like, thing. Is you think like, oh, they're humiliating them for the first challenge. How cute. haha! Ha. And then the humiliation just becomes more twisted and more mm-hmm. like underneath the surface, but worse in a way. Yeah. Um, I think we have to talk about Lagandra Estranja. Oh, my God. The like probably the most <laughs> significant figure of Drag Race outside of RuPaul. Siri, Lagandra Estranja. Oh, I just got a, I just got a funny little text from our girl Nick who said, "Hey, are you awake?" <laughs> so, hey, I dear, heard. yes, I am. We're talking about Lagandra Estranja. <laughs> Nick, do you want to come on talk about Lagandra? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you have a word to say about Lagandra? But love no, but that. like, okay, oh something, something happened there. Like she was kind of like a product of like what drag race was climaxing into at yes. this point which is there was with that postmodern awareness the queens like finally start like becoming aware of the idea of producing themselves mm-hmm. and i think she's kind of ingenuitive for being the first queen on the show to come in with the idea that she was going to create her persona and forge it in the public something that i think is yes. you know a very noble i think it's very respectable idea. what she tried to yes. do did she go about it the right way absolutely not was also there were also cards stacked against her in that like a door was there who like was her girly from back home and she's like ganj i don't know who this is like, ganj like <laughs> Like, you can't do that. You can't try to be the new girl when you have, like, your old friend from middle school being like, um, I remember when you were chubby. Uh, seriously. And, I mean, like, I'm thinking about her desperate attempt to, like, really, like, present herself as, like, the Kiki boots my wig and turn around on the runway. And what and, was like, so wrong with that? 
Nothing. I mean, it's great. I mean, she is the most entertaining creature on, like, the whole season by far. Oh, my God. On the whole, I would argue the whole show. Yeah. I don't think anything so watching will ever her... top. It's very dry. Uh-huh. Almost sort of kind of like your vagina. Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> like, watching her fall from grace. Like, they see that she is trying to overcome the sadistic hellscape of the show. Oh, my God. The, like, demon within that's, like, drag race, drag race is, like, like, clawing out of her. And it's, like, on display, and everyone's just, like, Laganja, what's wrong with you? And you can can see, like, like, the spiritual hands of RuPaul, like, clawing her mouth open. Like, the Eva going angel mode. And everyone's oh like, oh my god. Laganja, are you okay? <laughs> when she publicly breaks down on the Untucked episodes and begins to start in, screaming, in a crying. Pink afro. Oh. A pink afro and like a dance tutu. This is what I'm talking about. This is transcendental cinema. Like the idea of watching this person and this just humiliating chasm between how she wants to be perceived and how she's being perceived as she is wearing the most absurd clothing you've ever seen. Her nail is breaking and it cuts to her out of her high heels in her panties screaming, just fully screaming. And I mean, like this is like literally like a fucking Lars von Trier movie. I'm not kidding. It's I, I've never seen somebody like, embrace their downfall in such a way as Laganja Estranza. Like, she felt everybody against her, and she was like, oh, you all want to hate me. Okay. What if I turned it up to 10, since we're all mad at me anyways? And she just fucking went for it. I think about her standing without her high heels, in, and it's beautiful, too, because they cut outside of the interior illusions lounge. It's, like, offset. It's like yeah, her it's like, and, like... She's, like, like, in, like, a dark, like, <laughs> hallway between, like, four sets. There's, like, a PA, like, running by, and she's, like, screaming. <laughs> like, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> and, like, stomping her feet around <laughs> The picture I always remember of Laganja is, I forget what challenge it was before, but when she's sitting under the desk with the notepad, like... And the and the no smoking sign yes, that she put on her head. Just, like, thinking. That was so just pure. Thinking. I've never... And... I understood her at that moment. I understood. Just considering. Just thinking. Just thinking. Philosophizing, even. She can't, she can't smoke. She can't be the new girl. She can't dance because nobody will let her choreograph. So what can she do? She can sit under the table, have some and fucking think. floor time, and think about what she's done. <laughs> I got this that. Season, this season also has Gia Gunn. Just hopped off the boat, like, fresh tilapia. Tilapia. What I'm talking about is, like, the... She's, like, okay, if... um. If Laganja is, like, the seed of death of the show, of, like, people becoming aware and producing yes, themselves, yes, yes. then Gia is the opposite of that on this season. Yes, yes. Completely Gia, unaware. Gia and no thoughts. Are the two, empty. They're the two seeds of life of drag, like, landing on Earth. And no, literally, it's Evangelion. Laganja is Adam, like, forced to be in stasis. And Gia, like, has all her progenitors, which is, like, fun trans girls. It's a fun transgender Avon guy. <laughs> get in the fucking get trans in the, girl Avon. Get in the fucking skirt, Laganja. <laughs> get in, 
and thinking now about Gia like clutching like Laganja's face, like pushing it together and being like, "This, this is what counts." <laughs> then they have to, and if this if this isn't humiliating enough, then they have to do a lip sync performance. Laganja is oh doing God. splits after splits in a pink in a pink little pink like, little like like dyke tight cropped afro. Oh, oh God! Beautiful. I mean. This is beautiful stuff. When you reach beyond the initial like layer of drag race, which is which you is know, like the... fun gay guy in a dress. How crazy! Right, which of course everyone hates now. Like God, okay, misogynistic, violent, hateful, evil. You know all this stuff. Don't say if fish. Don't say fish. If you if you push just a little bit deeper in, you get this whirling vortex of human life that is so meaningful i mean i really feel like laganja screaming in that hallway is like philosophy happening in real time yes it's not it's art happening in real time like you are witnessing like uh, both a breakdown and a breakthrough like i think laganja that moment was not only screaming because of like the futility of the situation but she also realized what she was doing in that moment Hmm. she knew and i mean this whole series is just like chock full of this. And I, I think it is because of two things. One being the, you know, postmodern, torturous, sadistic format. And two being the all-seeing fascist eye of RuPaul Charles, who levitates above this show like God well, in heaven. That's the thing is we've barely mentioned RuPaul because yes. like, her specter looms so heavy, it feels like it doesn't have to be mentioned. It's omnipresent. I don't have to mention RuPaul. She's just there. She has already done had hers. I don't have to tell you. RuPaul truly feels divine in this series because in, until later, they never let her look bad. She looks, no. you know, immaculate every yeah. single time. She's untouchable. You cannot stop her in any way, shape, or form. She is God, and this is her universe that she's created. And seeing the little ant humans interact with each other, come to grips with one another, fight, toil, torture each other, reveal the darkest edges of their meth personalities. Like, for her. Scream all and for her. Cry, all for her. As God's children, mm-hmm. and she smiles upon them and gives them blessings. Yep. And she says, You're all my children, but I do not remember your name. Ooh, girl. It's all up in the club. It feels so good. It's jumping up in here. I got get my drink on. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I have a Cavassier straight up and a Tranny Chaser? Is some Tranny Chasers up in here? Welcome to my the glorious birth of all gay culture the psychically melding force of drag race and it's forced to uh, six seasons we start deviating into 
more surreal territory than ever previously thought possible. We um, received Trixie Mattel. <laughs> uh, that's quite literally exactly what happened. I didn't even think about that. Um, I did want to ask before we get into the like the rest of the show, mm-hmm. who are some of the queens that you have felt most connected to okay. from like the first six seasons? Um, Raja is always going to be the one for me because I the minute I saw season three, I watched that entrance and I was like, wow, she's cool. Uh-huh. And ever since I've seen her, every time I see her, I still think the same thing. She's just fucking cool, man. And there's not many drag race queens that I see that I think you're cool. Mm-hmm. So I like her for that reason. And then who else from the first six seasons? Um, I have a weird soft spot for Jujube. Okay, great. Love her. I don't know why. She just, I feel like she'd be a key. Yeah, I do too. I don't know why. And then Tammy Brown. Oh, legend. Teleport me to Mars, Tubby. You know, like, come on. Oh, God. So good. Um, For me, I think it's, like I said, Tyra is a really emotional identifying point for me. And then also um, Tatiana from that season. I love Darian Lake. Really? I love Darian Lake. Crotchety, cranky old bitch being mean to everyone all the time and looking mildly terrible while doing it. Oh, that reminds me. I love Delta Work. Oh, God. I love her now more than ever. You should watch her podcast. It's insane. I've been watching it. I just got into it. It's so good. So fucking funny. Have you seen that clip going around of her talking about the girl putting mayonnaise on her sandwich? Oh, my God. She is my favorite kind of woman who is just someone who demands good customer service. Will never be satisfied, and I appreciate her. Will never. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's a chasm of desire that can only attempt to be filled with good customer service and and, like prompt delivery of chicken. Yes, exactly. That pit can never be filled, but that girl tried with the mayonnaise. No, she tried with the mayo. Um, so season seven to season ten, I think, is a, a a river for the show where things begin to. Um, change very wildly. Um, By season nine, I think, the show has uh, been taken off of Logo and put onto its sister network, VH1. It becomes wildly more popular. And um, up until this point, I think Drag Race had kind of been very niche. Uh, (laughs) I think that it required so much effort to watch. You either had to go to a gay bar to watch it live or pirate it because, like we said, no one fucking had Logo. Um, the internet was finally becoming real at this point, and uh, the sinister presence of the data cloud was beginning to suck up Drag Race into it. And I think that the show takes a, a very uncanny direction from here. What What do you kind of think is going on in, in these seasons? I think... I think part of it is just that transition from Logo to VH1 kind of mm-hmm. did something in the minds of the producers where they're like, oh, there's a much bigger audience at play here. And they kind of like, they started to shift the format in like weird little ways. Like, I think this is, I think this chunk of season from like seven to 10 is when they start bringing in that weird like lip sync format for the end, for the finale. Oh, yeah. And they start like, which kind of, which I always hated because it kind of like makes the whole season moot yeah for no for nothing but mm-hmm. and I, I just feel like they kind of in in knowing that they had a larger audience they 
twisted what they were already doing to kind of like uh, get the most out of what they had in a way, I think. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big part of it. Obviously, wokeness was reaching um That too, yes. And RuPaul had, you know, previously been, as, you know, Jack and I have discussed many times over, like, um, a, a pretty, like, kind of a controversial figure. She was always very anti-woke, uh, very much like a, a greedy capitalist who uh, was in, in for nothing except her own uh, interests. RuPaul and- wants the bag. RuPaul wants the bag and she wants her glory and doesn't, she will mow down anyone in her way for what she wants. And um, this season six is where they finally dropped the, ooh, girl, you've got she male uh, line in mm-hmm. favor of, um, she done already had her. She already done had hers or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And of course, like and RuPaul being like asked to like change an iconic little moment of the show into something stupid like that she like makes it like an incomprehensible well, dumb jargon it's great the thing is like you're gonna ask rupaul to say you can't say you got shemail she has an album with like a song called response to tranny chaser response to tranity and tranny chaser are on the same album yeah <laughs> <laughs> like don't yeah, play with me she Around, um, I think, season eight of the show, she also became very outspoken because um, up until this point, no trans woman had been knowingly cast on the show deliberately. Yes. It was always cisgender gay men who sometimes happened to transition after After the the show. show. Yeah. Yeah. And she spoke in The Guardian about not wanting trans girls on the show. And I have... I completely feel like there are, like, trans women drag queens. I think that yeah, is a total... For sure. Course. Like, yeah. Obviously, there's trans performers. However, I don't need, think they need to be on Drag Race either. Right, that's the thing. I don't... I'm not saying that there are not trans drag queens, but I do understand why RuPaul would want cis queens for the show. Because drag is fundamentally, and I'm sorry to say it, it's gay male culture. That's it's faggots. It I'm sorry. It's faggots. It's not like, girls trying to be girlier. It's men trying to be girls. Exactly. And I complete. I respect a lot of trans performers. Oh yeah, absolutely. No I have no them. issue with that. That's fine. I, None at all. They're great. Obviously, honey, if you're giving me boots, you're giving me boots. Half the, the time, they're that, more puss, which is like great. But like, that's not what we're here for right now. This is a show about gay male culture, yes. and it always has been. And no matter what they do or who they drag onto the show, it's always going to be about a show about gay male culture. And so, you know, in some ways, I do like them putting these like trans girls and now cisgender women as well onto the show because it's a funny display of the gap between what the show actually is about and how one can be successful in drag and then what isn't going to work right ever yes exactly and they gave like a sonique um she won her all-star season but sonique is also like Basically, like, still, like, a gay male Sonique, cultural figure. Yeah, Sonique still acts like a faggot. Yeah, because, like, she came from that school of, like, trans girls of, like, you know, like, mid-2000s T-girls who are mm-hmm. just, like, literally, like, they have, like, still, like, gay male culture and personality about them, but mm-hmm. they just, like, transitioned to be sissy. Yeah, they just, like, they're, they sissied it up to the highest degree is what happened. Right. 
so this is all happening like in kind of the background of the show and then gradually sinking in and people don't like a lot of these seasons seven eight nine and ten mm-hmm. um i i like all of these seasons i liked well. them all i thought seven was great honestly yes and this i what i like about these seasons is that the really foundational groundwork of the first six where we get this um you know, world stage as devised by God Paul, like, (laughs) what we get is, like, sort of, like, the modern era. Like, we see, like, the industrialization of Drag Race happening in real time. And it ends up coming across, like, a Thomas Hardy novel where they're all, like, somehow dejected by the ache of modernism and, like, having to coexist with, like, the system of Drag Race. Yes, they all, like, yes, you can see it within them all at some point on the show where they, like, realize the confines of the system that they're trapped within now and they're like fuck i have to figure out how to like make a career in this cage now yeah exactly like all of a sudden it goes from like them you know just being able to like present themselves uh and then and uh, now unless you are doing laganja and you know create like crafting an essence yes like like, tr- like it's not gonna work if you don't dramatically break free of the mold you're you are now rupaul's like property it's crazy like these people like submit themselves to the show the humiliation is like scaled down from um the earlier seasons i, I yes. think quite a bit yeah um however the humiliation is now grander in scope because the queens have to sign like contracts after they finish like being like enslaved to like the yes production production company company that you like have to tour for a year and like do the shitty Mm -hmm. little show for like a theater of 200 if you want to do other gigs you have to get like written approval they have to like approve your music before you release it like crazy Mm -hmm. shit you can't put out your own youtube videos it's crazy so basically like what happens is like the humiliation is, like, now stretched out into, like, RuPaul's, like, Maoist army. Like, it's, like, a bunch of, like, it's crazy. (laughs) And you can definitely see, like, the stresses of that beginning to pull on the show. Um, The first time, I think, in Drag Race history, outside of Tammy Brown, of anyone confronting RuPaul is the incident of Pearl on season seven. Is there something on my face? Is there something on my face? Oh my god, like, the phrase that shook the world. Yes, RuPaul getting into a stare down with a contestant who has been seemingly not very enthusiastic. Yeah, seeming, but also not unenthusiastic, just sleepy. Just, you know, a little a little bit of a snooze. In terms Wake of up, girl. Department. Wake up. <laughs> and... That confrontation is uh, has come to echo throughout the series because we later yes. found out that RuPaul and Pearl had like off-screen quote drama. Unquote, yes, because... and Pearl apparently walked off set that day and was like saying she wasn't going to come back after that incident. Yep, and basically Pearl had said to RuPaul, like, thank you for all you've done, um, like off camera. And then RuPaul said, well, if the cameras aren't rolling, nothing you, you say matters. matters. Right. And the thing is, is that that's true. Right. Like, you don't want to hear it, in that, especially in that moment. But it's not wrong. There's a reason it's, that it's right. every time those cameras were off, those producers were like, you're on ice, quiet. Because you can't have, like, an on unfolding story and then have pieces of it happening off screen. 
you can't talk to God. No. <laughs> she's not, not allowed. Here. She's not here to talk to you. God may speak to you, but you don't get to choose when you can chat with This isn't with a Jesus. conversation, like, okay? Like, no. She's just telling you. <laughs> she's throwing it at you, you catch it, and you go. And people immediately were like, wow, like, RuPaul is, like, so fake. This is, like, around the time, like, the news... The recording has stopped. The disc space is insufficient. Oh, I, wait, I'm gagged. Wait, give me a second. I can delete something. No! Okay, wait. This is so annoying. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, God. Why can't I keep, like, anything together? I'm such an idiot. Okay. Um. Ooh, can't delete that one. Oh, I have some wave files I can delete. Okay. That should free up a gigabyte. Okay. Yay! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay great. Um, what was I saying? I truly don't remember. I don't either. Um, I was saying something rather. It was like truly like we right in the middle of a diatribe too. Oh, Pearl, God, RuPaul. Oh, you don't talk to God. God talks to you. Yeah. So this is like one of the moments where we see like this world building power that RuPaul has. They try to like come into conflict. And okay, now I remember where I was going with this. People were generally upset with her because of the fracking, because of the trans comments, because of this. The X over <laughs> the X over the mouth. <laughs> exactly. And like everyone was beginning to turn on her because as yes. people do with gay men always, you only get so much cultural credence before everyone around you will turn on you. But Correct. RuPaul is a genius for so thoroughly steeping herself into her own brand and her own creation that there's no way of stopping her. Well, RuPaul also never makes the, like, common mistake of acknowledging a single thing said about her. She never apologizes. And when she apologized for the trans stuff, she's like, I believe in the power of trans women. And then posted a flag. She had tried flag. to Google, she tried to Google trans right flag. She Googled train flag. Mm-hmm. So she, she didn't even know what the trans flag looked like. She said, I don't know. Fucking Google it. Just throw it up a screenshot. No, don't save it. No, seriously, it's incredible. Like, that's what I'm talking about is, like, why I'm, like, so fond of her forever is, like, she has her opinion. She's not going to apologize for them. She's old school. She's old school. She is. And I respect that. And no matter how, The most respectable thing you can do... I'm sorry. The most respectable thing you can do is never apologize. Exactly. And, like, no matter how abstract, like, the format or, like, the production of Drag Race gets or how popular it becomes... um. Because of RuPaul's, like, innate grasp on it, like, it is always going to be something at least a little special and, like, something reactionary is going to be happening because yes. RuPaul is, in, like, an unwavering, like, force of fascism. Yes, RuPaul does everything with, like, a tiny little wink of the eye. Mm-hmm. And you never know what it's pointed at. No. But some, he's like, he's like the, he's our culture's like a looming trickster figure. Yes, like Native God Americans works in mysterious have, ways. Yes, Native Americans had like the coyote or the spider or whatever. We have RuPaul Charles. Exactly. Oh, God. The other thing that starts um, 
becoming more sinister with this is we finally reached the internet era of Drag Race. And I... Drag Race, of course, is like a touchstone for gay men having a little kiki at the bar on their, like, Thursday night or whatever. But then, here come teenage girls. Oh, no, yes. Something about gay men, as I've pointed out on my show many times over, has it's very narratively challenging for women. They are um, resentful. They're jealous of, you know, the infinite youth promised by the freedom of gay sexual culture. They they wish to be loved by men and also be able to operate in the world as them. And they are also fascinated and erotically compelled by the safe sexual universe of two gay men fucking that they can observe without the threat of violence. And that all lapses into a particularly gruesome monster of the straight teenage girls who like drag race yes the straight 13 to 17 year old girl who got online a little too young and now she loves trixie mattel trixie mattel and katya she writes lesbian fan fiction about them yes you will see her at every jinx monsoon show every single one she's going to be at every jinx show she's going to be on the subreddit she's going to be on a subreddit she's going to be a little bit overweight she's probably shaved her head oh yeah and do you know about her brows blonde blocky one of them dyed green yeah and like it's like a rectangle and then like a triangle <laughs> do yes. you know what i mean it's like, it's like really sharp that so you're like ow <laughs> ouch ow oh, i'm oh, bleeding you pricked you? my oh, finger oh, stop <laughs> um i think it's fascinating to see um this pageant of horror from like the first like six seasons um also gradually progress into being a show about love <laughs> Yes. Or at least everybody, in everybody say love. Theory. Everybody say love, which is the closing line of every episode of the show. But nonetheless, True. like RuPaul's Drag Race was a show about hatred until season yes. six. And now we kind of see them as it transitions to VH1 and is pandering to these girls who watch. It's becoming a little bit more palatable. Um, we, we see it stretching into culture in a much broader way than ever thought possible and we also see the show trying to like force its format into being about the struggles hardships of gay and queer people and also um the ecstasies of love it never achieves that mission but we do see it trying to it definitely tries especially with like i also hate this turn of like to the snatch game of love oh yeah despicable just wretched we're not doing that we're not doing that this Do messy was I, not broke don't you know what fix I mean, it low like the show does try to like reposition itself as like being like a like queer well, testimonial to our power yes, or like something yes like that. exactly and it, it kind of like coincides with like the wokeification of it all mm-hmm. but it, it turns from like look at these vicious gay men like cannibalizing each other to uh-huh. like Look at these vicious gay men putting aside their differences to make beautiful art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me whenever I have a gay person on my podcast. Yeah, me anytime I meet a homosexual and I'm not like viciously disgusted. I'm like, we are cis- We as gay people get to choose our family. <laughs> <laughs> our souls are like resonating. 
Yes. When you meet a gay person that you don't hate, it's like end of Evangelion, like Ray and Shinji, like dialogue. Yes. Yes. No, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the rebuilds, like when Shinji's like reaching into the water and he's like, fucking take my hand. Uh huh. He like finally <laughs> grabs it. And I think I, the reason I still find these seasons compelling and like not total failures is because they do not succeed at becoming a show about love. So the show is right. still about hate, but it's very transparently, you know, like failing to be what it wants to. Yes. The show becomes itself and it becomes its subjects. It becomes Laganja by season 10 when we were like watching it, like desperately try to like, you know, affirm like gay power and it like totally failing and becoming messier than ever and like screaming yes. and stomping its heels with no, no shoes on. No shoes. No shoes. Screaming in the hallway. Yeah. PAs walking by. <laughs> like, <laughs> It feels uniquely menacing that as the show has become, like, woker and dumber than ever, it's also become, like, everyone watches it now. That's the thing, that, like, the more it bastardizes what it once was, the, like, deeper ingrained it becomes in our culture. I know. And, like, that's why I find the show to still be, like, worthwhile and, like, fascinating, even as we push past, like, season 10. Um, Season 11 and 12 are the worst seasons of the show. Truly the only two seasons that I've never once watched. And I almost can't endorse them for anything at all, except for that the people on it are horrible. They're so hateful, and the show's format of trying to make them seem like admirable, you know, individuals. Right, um, like uh, bastions of queer culture. Yeah, it's it's such a gap in logic. And this is also where we're introduced to the savior of Drag Race, Mm -hmm. The, the one real individual who has ever truly embodied the show's mission and broken the show. The only person to ever defeat RuPaul. Sherry Pie. Sherry motherfucking Pie. This bitch had a fucking muscle-gaining, like, bulk fetish. Um, She, you know, did what I think all queer people should do, which is, like like weasel their way into getting what they want she lied cheated and stole just for some fucking pussy pics and i will never get mad for that that's admirable i respect the hustle i do and like they're getting canceled one episode into the show and then she's immediately disqualified and they have to like like, re-edit the show and you can tell that like the show was like definitely edited for sherry pie to be like one of the top contenders yeah apparently there's a whole um narrative about her and Gigi being neck and neck oh. and like you know having a rivalry or something right like that. right and now that season is just gone forever gone forever because she wanted a few pics of like some weird guys i don't blame if, her if rupaul is god in heaven then sherry pie is the satan we deserve the fallen lucifer yes yes Sherry Pie should have been RuPaul's right hand, but she just became a little too twisted. Yeah, I think that we've we've made a pretty compelling argument for like what happened to the show in it in its back half. Um, you know, as we're like reaching forward with the show, um, what do you think is is coming from all of this? Like, what what what's happening? Where are I we going? Feel, I feel like the bubble is going to have to pop soon. Mm-hmm. Only because it's been literally constantly expanding since the first season. Yeah, and I think at this point now, 
in every single country, there's not, I mean, there's always a drag race happening at this point. Every, every week, I feel like I see a new random country that has, like, drag race Tanzania, like, fucking drag race Cambodia. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, even if RuPaul's Drag Race, the, like, original American franchise ends, it, it will never die somehow, I think. No, I think it's going to keep, like, living on forever at this point. And that was kind of, like, the dream of um, America's Next Top Model as well. And it's funny, RuPaul yes. emulated it, like, satirized it, and then actually and, truly became it for our contemporary condition. But America's Next Top Model also did do a very good amount of se- America's Next Top Model had, like, 25 seasons. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they could take fully the same course, and it could just be happening over a longer scale. Yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, America's Next Top Model had a few, like, America's Next Top Model Russia, etc., but not to the scale that RuPaul has had. Right. I know. It's really uncanny to think that this, you know, gruesome portrait that, you know, we witnessed at first, like, this uh, truly uncanny, like, right-wing, um, like, yes. horrifying like, homosexual like bizarro, bizarro circus of faggotry. That it's now, like, a, a touch point for everything. And what I don't know, especially since I, I don't think I've watched a single one of the flankers, is all of those new countries are formed like after the shifting of drag race. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they even have that edge to them. I would say Thailand does. Interesting. The two Drag Race Thailand season two is maybe my favorite season of anything in the whole series. Wow. Okay, yeah. I'll have to watch it. But it's um it's funny because like the show is like a cultural trash compactor now. Nancy Pelosi is on the show multiple times. Um, has has AOC done it yet? Yeah, AOC was a guest judge. Gaga was on there. Miley Cyrus was on there. Nicki yeah, Minaj. Nicki was Minaj. On there. Yeah, I mean it, it's become like truly like this um, recycling point. Basically, everything you know is overseen in the larger pop cultural landscape gets like shrunken down and like thrown into this like stretched out like woke universe of like me too and rape trauma and it's um you know the way that everyone kind of like yes gay people forever and well yes and the thing is like yeah exactly because it's made up of like now mostly gay guys gay guys themselves are kind of like the trash receptacle of culture Mm -hmm. so you kind of like each one of them has their own little like compost bin of all of those references that are kind of just like then dumped into this weird mixing bowl and like presented to us on a platter and you have to somehow make sense of it. Yeah. And I think that previously, I think that gay men were of course, you know, famous for being like the bastions of culture. Like, um, oh yeah. You know, like learned this information men. would like come into us and we'd be able to tailor it and, you know, fashion it out of the rock into a glistening diamond. But now the information goes in and it becomes like a lump. Like it's like Yeah. Well now gay men are have uh just become parrots in a way. Yeah. Of drag race. Yes. Of the, yes, of drag race, which is a parrot of what they should be yes that's exactly it it was like the original model of culture that was like perfectly preserved in those initial seasons you know became like an ironic haze and now that haze is once again being unironically produced in a more distended form and it's uncanny to watch these like most recent seasons 
Yes. Well, I also believe that you cannot do anything ironically for very long before it just becomes unironic. Oh yeah, like my the my bootsing habit um is I'm 100% unironic again. Everything of them like, "Oh my god, what a funny joke. Haha, what if I start saying this?" Yeah, see in 2 weeks how you feel. Yeah, like see like how I sounded on my most recent Sirens episode where I'm like literally <laughs> just fagging out like with just any... boots and wig. <laughs> Seriously. And it's kind of fascinating to like see this like bizarre like Evangelion time repeating like cycle yes. happening with like gay the way gay people talk as forged by this fucking reality TV show. Yes. Like the I don't think um the way gay guys have spoken for the past, I'd say probably about like six to eight years would not have endured for as long as it has without drag race. So true. Because it was like shifting really quick for a long time. And then suddenly we've just been stuck in like the work slave boots of it all for the past like eight years. I can't stop thinking about like Denali on I think one of the seasons you season 13, I think. She... I think yeah, but I am familiar. That's like the is that the ice skating one? Yeah, I hate her. I think she's like one of the worst queens of all time. But she <laughs> like I was like shocked because the way she talks is every time she speaks, she goes, the slay on ah, mother. Okay. But I, I kind of love that. I know. I love it too. Cause like, it's wretched and embarrassing. Yes. And it's like, she's like a linguistic abortion, like on ice skates. <laughs> How is this real? <laughs> I love, I love when, um, like a drag race queen just does like the, uh, slay on like, the slay on it all. Like, it's the so good. The Wigiana Boots Honey House. Like, I love. Oh, it's giving me fear. It's giving? Is it giving? Is she giving? It's like literally Samuel Beckett Endgame where they can't even like speak English to each other in the apocalypse and they're like talking in like broken grammar. It's yes. Endgame for real. And they somehow understand each other. Oh, God. Somehow they do. Um, leaving Drag Race, um, I just looking back at all of this, I mean, there has never been, like, this, such a menacing, like, cultural curse that has no. consumed and cannibalized itself so many times. And, like, the final product that we look back on is, like, just, there's nothing else like it. No, no. It's like... It's like that thought experiment that's like if you take apart this boat and like rebuild something different with all the same pieces, is it the same boat? Mm -hmm. Like if you take apart Drag Race and rebuild it with all its theoretically the same components, but in a completely different form, is it the same thing? And it's like, no, I don't think it is. I don't know what it is. Who am I? Who are these people? Like, Who's RuPaul? Both of us That's are the real like, question we, that we'll never get an answer to. It's literally is gone. Both of us, like the way that we like are communicating right now, as well as like basically every English speaking gay male almost ever has like some little part of their soul yes. programmed by RuPaul. Yes. Yes. Literally yes. It's 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 shocking when you really think about it. Here it's like we scary, are. kind of, to a degree. It is scary. Like Culture has so much power, like art and like has 
so much like influence on people's like literal like souls on earth yes that, like, like on the way that i function as a human being our like human species has like evolved into like us like being like electrical repeaters for like rupaul produced god garbage yeah literally like i am a product of rupaul and the ganja what does that mean for me as a human in the future and the afterlife i imagine I, I never want Drag Race to end because I imagine in the like 20 no. seasons from now, it's going to be like just. Well, like, the thing is, I imagine Drag Race continuing and just like constantly reforming itself in such mm-hmm. a way that like in 20 years it'll be called RuPaul's Drag Race, but there won't even be drag queens on it. No, there won't be. Absolutely not. It's going to be like just like straight women with like without just, a it'll wig. It'll be some fucking like completely random game show that has nothing to do with it. And there's going to be going like Slayana, my yeah, wig, like my wig, boots. They'll still be saying it in 20 years. They're going to like ship out like people like in wheelchairs, like drooling at each other, just going. When we get wig. the RuPaul robot, over, <laughs> over. Uh-oh. Now sissy that wow. Punishment Park is a docu is a pseudo documentary film from 1971 directed by Peter Watkins. It depicts a group of countercultural communists, um, race activists, and general hippies um, being deported into a death game camp in the middle of the desert in the face of Richard Nixon. A a bunch of anti-Vietnam War hippies are uh, put into a desert and filmed by a documentary crew uh, as they must find an American flag in the desert. It features a trial of another group as they're about to be sent into this park. And uh, this is the closest thing I've ever seen to RuPaul's Drag Race depicted it as it really is. I completely agree. I think, especially in the way that, like, kind of fast forward to the end, in that it's futile for everybody involved, and mm-hmm. the way that the whole half the narrative is centered around, like, the inmates being forced to explain their values to these people who are condemning them to death, despite knowing that they're condemned to death, it's such a RuPaul Charles move. Oh, my God. I mean, Richard Nixon is apparently RuPaul Charles, like, in the eye of this film. Yes. Yes. Um, basically, as I explained, like, the structure of this movie is it follows half of the deported, um, you know, prisoners as they must walk through the desert, uh, pursued by a league of cops in uh, cars as they are without any water and must, you know, walk through the heat. Um, and then these... Segments featuring people about to be put into the prison as they are defending their communist, like, social justice values. And the entire effect of this movie, it's very boring. It's very very (laughs) slow. Nothing happens. It really is just, like, a bunch of people, like, sweating and wandering around in a desert and then occasionally getting, like, killed off or dying or beaten by cops. 
Yes. And so much of the like sweating and running through the desert is like layered over by like the extolling of their values mm -hmm. to this like board of like a housewife inexplicably and like some like <laughs> random Hispanic business owner and like Richard Nixon. It's just, it's absurd. It is. And it's presented without a fleck of irony whatsoever. It None. is presented as if this is really about to happen. It's so serious. Um, this documentary uh, and uh, fictional filmmaker Peter Watkins is uh, from uh, the UK and he's done um, a whole bunch of like really interesting, like long form um, movies um, imagining different kinds of uh uh, idealized like fake history events he did like a 400 minute french movie about mm. um the defeat of napoleon the third and the working class uh he did like um some films about uh like uh what would happen if there was a nuclear war in england and he is such a obnoxiously straight edge communist that he can't even look at the joke of this for one moment but because he's so dead-eyed and serious about it it becomes like fierce and boots yes absolutely at first i was like wow this is so boring but then like after like 20 minutes i was like wow this is so boring <laughs> and it, like it becomes like fun at a certain point the way that like he simply cannot do anything but like be completely self-serious like yeah. none of them have any trace of like irony or humor or even like lightness to what they're saying like they're it's just mm -hmm. straight on and all of the people who watch this also think the same thing they all think this is like a prophetic vision of the future that <laughs> must be like you know held as like a, a warning object like any review you ever read of this or commentary on it is like they, they made this in 1971 they could have made it in 2011 like, <laughs> i don't think <laughs> like no, I don't think so, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but go off. Um, people don't get the reason why this movie is, like, fascinating, and it's because it's so absurd, and it's, like, this idea that all of these leftists are ever going to be rounded up by the conservatives. Oh, my like, God, right. And, like, forced to, like, explain their values to them, like... It's, it's insane. Like, it's, it's like such self-masturbation. Yeah, because like leftists, like a, a, like a liberal and honestly leftist in general, a communist of any sort, any sort of like left-leaning person would die. Like they would like fucking live to like be put in front of a tribunal and they like, made like their imagined fantasies of oppression made real as they have to like run around in the fucking desert. If you took out the Vietnam commentary, this is just Trump the Rusical. Syria is Trump the fucking RuPaul Rusical. It That's all it is. is. But I, despite like how much like I'm like attacking it, I really think it's a masterpiece. I do think it was very interesting. Like I would probably never want to like waste another like hour and a half on it. <laughs> but like it was very intriguing. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of it in general. Like, I just, I think, like, the idea of a punishment park is, like, really fierce. Yes, like, that's the thing. It's, like, the purge in that, like, I think if the, ex even if the execution is shitty, it's such an intriguing thing for me to think about that I don't care about the execution. Well, I've talked about, you know, death games on my show, and I did, like, my Battle Royale yes. episode. Yes. And, like, I love a death game. I love a death game, and this one is especially fun because the setting of it is so hilarious. Like, just this expansive desert. It's so, with... And, like, unexplained. Just, like, 
uh, I would assume in America, but like it's like in Southern California, <laughs> <laughs> like fully just like outside Vegas, literally, and it's just like the unending like bleakness of the dry dry desert and these like people yeah are just, like, like not, a, not an ounce of civilization is seen once and they're just like st- the the dead-eyed look in these liberals eyes they're just like <laughs> they're just like ho- like hot golden retrievers in the heat yes, like, their they do dragging. have especially um i don't know like a single name but that oh, girl no. on in the group that's i think they're pacifists that's always the kind of chubbier girl that's wearing the skirt. Uh-huh. She has, like, the most, like, dead-eyed puppy dog face I've ever seen in a person. None of these there people... There was nothing like, there. There's not a single actor in this movie. Like, they're all, like, kind of, like, picked up off, like, the... Yeah, you know, they're just, like, people. Yeah, which is delightful because, like, their yes. performances where they are not emoting at all. It, like, yes. this is literally RuPaul's Drag Race. It, it, yes, absolutely. And <sighs> I think... <laughs> I think that the uh, the girl who looks like a Manson girl with the dark hair is oh, Lagrange. I'm Toronto. obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her. She's so fierce, and like she's like wearing she's like wearing a, like a really long skirt, isn't she? Yes, and like this like tiny little like spaghetti strap top, and like it just shows her for like, a three minute like scene, just like futilely running, and it's like not like really running. She's like wobbling no, around in the just, skirt. Like, yeah, just like kind of teetering <laughs> around. <laughs> just like drunkenly teetering and like one group like gives up after like just like literally just stops and that's when that girl at the beginning that was like i think they're gonna kill us in two minutes they like lay down after the first run and she's like i'm not getting up again and i don't black girl is like she's like i'm so tired yes (laughs) she just sit down so we never see her again we never see her again and like i would assume she's like shot on sight I, I was, like, looking up into, like, some contemporary commentary about this, and I saw this, like, really, like, you know, humorless, like, woman, like, being, like, this is such an authentic piece of American culture. The hopelessness of the American condition is symbolized as she says that she's going to die in two minutes. I'm like, I mean, it is indicatively true of something, but I'm not going to yes, say what that something is. But I'm is. not going to say it's, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I don't know, I, the especially the tribunal scenes of them, like, trying to make their case to the court mm-hmm. is such a stupid liberal fantasy. It's such, like, oh my god. Especially that one, um, the, like, blonde girl who's, like, a singer or whatever. The blonde singer girl who recites her poetry to them. Who recites her poetry and then just says fuck you to everybody constantly, which I guess, like, was probably a little bit edgier in the 70s. I think in 1971, this is a very mouthy, shocking movie. Yes, but, like, now I hear it and I'm just like, oh my god, we get it. I know, it's so, it's just... You're a woman, let me hear you roar. It's like, imagine, like, Marina and the Diamonds in the role. That see that that was the vibe. It's the that vibe. was like it was love and fear. It, seriously, it's giving love and fear. Like it's like it's it's what was her most recent album called? Oh my god, uh, um, uh, uh, ancient dreams in a modern land. Yes, yes. it's giving ancient dreams, which also features her prominently featured in a desert. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Something about killing thousands of gay men. Yes, exactly. Killed thousands of gay men. Like I swear to God. <laughs> I just, I love the delusion of this movie. And the reason I wanted to talk about this in concert with Drag Race is because I think that the punishment part conceit 
as with the drag race conceit of just torturing like these people who have delusional fantasies about the world, people who are so fully ingrained in their politics that they can't convince themselves that they're a real person, and then watching them gruesomely humiliated in like a brutalist hellscape for hours at a time is just so fascinating. For a prize, for a prize that they'll never receive. No, a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think. No, honey, not with mm-hmm. those taxes. No, no ma'am. And not more with, like 64. Not to mention, like, all these drag race girls, like, are so incompetent at handling money, at being managed. Oh, my God. Like, That's the thing. They're constantly like, going bankrupt. Like, their careers are ending. They're quitting. They're da 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 Well, I mean, even the thing is, like, they're like, yeah, I'll win $100,000 if I win drag race. But they're spending, like, 50000 on their outfits for the show. Exactly. So it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, what, you're going to win to break even, babe? Yeah, like, I, the last, um, shot of this movie basically features the, the six of these, uh, you know, leftists finally reaching the American flag. <laughs> reaching the flag, and only then, for a wave of cops to be there. No, the game is over, please submit immediately, <laughs> and then they're, like, Do no, not move there. and we will not harm you. Stop! And then they just, like, beat the fuck out of them with, beat like, batons. the living shit out of them. Yeah. Oh, And I then, mean, <laughs> Credits. <laughs> It's just like a literalization of like what's happening on Drag Race. Yes, exactly. The the cops are just the production company of Drag Race. It's just World of Wonder. And RuPaul is that one is the like really aggressive like cop, Oh babe, we gotta cheap, stop talking. I'm sorry. We have to be real. Oh, do we have to be real? Do you ha- I have to be be real. I've never done be real. You gotta get one. Do I? You do. Wait, I wanna see how horrible that selfie is. It's funny. Oh, cute. <laughs> okay, I'm being real when the drag race and communists cannot be. <laughs> Someone has to be. So, thinking about like um, the hellscape image, I just love the the iconography in this film, like the setting sun and like the the cop cars like rolling around to like chase after the yes, like, the cop cars in the desert, like inexplicably, like how did they get there? Um, and a Where similarly, like, delusional pop star, M.I.A., I'm sure you're familiar. <laughs> yes, of course. She did a, uh, the reason I was exposed to this movie in the first place is because she did a music video for Born Free, which is literally just Punishment Park, but about white people with red hair. <laughs> you gotta watch it after this. Like, it literally I is... have to go watch that. That's so funny. It's all just delusional fantasy, and above it all is the viewer and the creator of these universes. It's RuPaul, it's Richard Nixon, and they create, like, glistening moments of uh, accidentally true humanity from yeah, these like torture rituals that they put into place. Yes. And and I think also a good, an interesting, like, uh, parallel there is the like shitty actors being regular people mm-hmm. and shitty drag queens just being regular people. Yes. I don't think you would be able to get that raw humanity out of somebody so like professionally tuned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that's, you know, one of the things that's happened on the back end of drag race is that because they're all like, you know, so like professionally trying to produce themselves mm-hmm. that they end up looking like the tribunal people when they're like Yes. They're trying to like make this like compelling like argumentative like logically thought out case about you know the struggle of the working class and they just like come across as like you know the thing is that's never that's never gonna get you to where you want to be what's gonna get you to where you want to be is 
just hopped off the boat like fresh tilapia. Exactly. It's either that or you have to become RuPaul. Like, I'm serious. Like, I b- completely believe in the idea of a punishment park. And I want to put all the people I don't like in mine. And like, oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely support that. I, I think it's like the next logical step. Like, I am tired. However, I don't, I would not support a tribunal of them, like, extolling their values because I don't want to hear it. I, I will do the tribunal and I will like do it like pointing and laughing at them. <laughs> I'm in, like, Twitter space like tribunals and then you have to run through like the Pariah, like, but Pariah has to run the space. Yeah, Pariah is like on the on like the uh-huh. committee as well. Just going apparently at that like movie that she was in or whatever, she was yelling Tranny Chaser at them. <laughs> so I'm gonna put fucking Basil on trial and he's gonna go in my punishment park and I'm just gonna yell Tranny That's little girl. Yeah, Tranny. Tubby little, tubby little, yeah, you, tubby little girl. You, me, the twink rev boys, and Pariah are going to put him on Period. trial and then make Basically, him run for the punishment, the punishment park. park. <laughs> if you can run five miles, he'll get out. Honey. He's not making it. It's over. He's not prison. making it. <laughs> prison. Prison. Um, so I want to say I want to become RuPaul. I want to. I am the god of my new I'm so popular universe. Like I'm reforging the world in my own vision. It's gonna look like Punishment Park, and this is the way things have to be. I support it. I want to be the Laganja Strange of my world. I'd like to break down the form and just sit under the table and think about it. Yes, obliterating form, deleting all shape, removing the idea of nuance from reality for screaming Laganja in the postmodern like set behind the scenes. Exactly. Me, tiny pink afro, in between sets, screaming. Because what else can I do but scream? I can back to a time before I 